BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo. Normally we start the show by giving all deference to the Tongans, but today, and we still give them deference, but today, this show for the Elite Defense Squad, this one's for y'all. Welcome to the Outsider's Edge. It's your boy, Rance, a.k.a. Ray Cash. I am with my brother, Kyle Morris, of the, my, my, what are you, are you, are you Coda? I'm the Coda to your Kenny. We get so confused with the names, <laughs> yes. Um, Kyle is, um, Carl is still on vacation, but what's up, brother? How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing good. You know, before we give the rest of our podcast to the elite, I do want to say Roman Reigns' new final game boss music is real hot fire. So, you know what? Great point. So, um, yes, tonight's show will be dedicated to the elite and the elite defense squad. However, anything on your mind, non-AEW, non-elite that just you want to mention besides Roman Roman Reigns' Really fire theme music right now, and I'm really happy to see the full circle completion of the character change. Okay. Um, And you know, other than that, you know, fuck Ring of Honor. Hmm. Um, If I were Impact, I would be pissed at the Elite. We can start there if we want to get right into. Oh, because Nakazawa's carrying the world title. Yeah, like that's just—it's just rude. Like. This is not even getting into what are they getting out of the partnership or whatever, because they got a great buy rate on that pay-per-view for them. They got a great buy rate for them. Oh, it, it, was, it was a good re- – um, I think it was good for any wrestling company that's not WWE. It was a good buy rate. Yeah, they got a great buy rate on that pay-per-view, which means they got more eyes on that product than they ever get on that product. So, you know, mm-hmm. clearly they're getting something mm-hmm. in terms of a monetary gain out of the partnership. So, like, mm-hmm. fine. But, like – that's your world fucking title. You could at least just like 
put it over your shoulder or like, you know, carry it around your neck. I don't know. Like, so or you, just don't carry it at all. I would rather you not carry the belt than give it to not your manager, but yeah. some lackey. So, you know, I it's funny you mentioned that because I've been trying to reconcile that in my brain, too. And I think it's genius from a storyline standpoint. But I think it's pretty shitty from a real life standpoint because a that that storyline doesn't work John for Callis impact. Is right there. Yeah. John Callis is right there. He's like one of the big head people with impact. It would make perfect sense for him as Kenny's manager and mouthpiece mm-hmm. who is also ball. one of the big wigs of impact to yep. carry the belt and to carry it prominently and like accentuate like yeah, the AEW and Impact Wrestling World Champion Kenny Omega. Well, no, you're right, but I, I, don't you think Triple H got the bigger qualms because they don't even mention he's a mega champion? I think Triple A has a right to be even angrier in that sense. Um, but I also don't know, I don't know necessarily if that might not even be at Triple A's request. Okay, that's fair. That may be the case. They had a Triple H championship match on their TV uh, a year ago, I think. It was with him and Phoenix. Um, and we know at Triple Mania is going to be him versus Andrade. So I, the belt collector gimmick is getting over for him. So I don't think he'll lose the belt. The championship, I'm sorry. Sorry, Vince. But uh, I think the right move might be Andrade getting the championship if Andrade wants to work with Triple H consistently. But it's interesting because historically Andrade is a CMLL guy. Yeah, that is. So that's like, interesting. Ooh, that's real interesting. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see how that plays out. But hey, live your best life, Andrade. Other than the Del Rio match, which because y'all homies, whatever, the 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 world is his oyster. So, um, you you ready to give this work? Yeah, I'm ready. Um, so I'll lead you in and I'll let you spit that fire. So, okay. um, ladies and gentlemen, longtime listeners of The Outsider's Edge will know that we have a semi-recurring skit on the show called Spit Your Fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, we bring out Spit Your Fire anytime somebody's got just some white-hot rage at the wrestling world that they just need to get out there and put it off their chest. and. Mm-hmm. You know, this week, Brother Rance hit me up after Blood and Guts last night, which we both watched, and he was just like, man, I got some fire to spit. And so, ladies and gentlemen, my good brother Ray Cash, spit your fire. Oh, man. Have you ever had a whole spit your fire episode before? Because I feel like this might be the case. Um, So, let's say this. I don't watch AEW regularly anymore. I don't. I just don't enjoy most of the product. And honestly, that largely comes down to just a few people, and that's not fair, but it is what it is. The Young Bucks, the whole elite storyline, that does nothing that for me. And, and that's the, a good portion of the show. Exactly. If the people that turn you off, it's kind of like that time period when I wasn't watching Raw. Yep. And it's like, same Kyle, people. why aren't you watching Raw? Well, the people that do nothing for me that I'm not interested in are three quarters of the show yeah so i'm just not gonna watch that show and that's how i feel about aw although i I, they get my viewership because i dvr every week 
I do watch all the clips. I pay attention to everything that happens. So I'm in tune with the product. But I went out of my way to watch Blood and Guts last night. Um, I know this comes out on a Friday, but we're recording this Thursday night. Went out of my way. Now, granted, I missed the first half of the show because I fell asleep, but I woke up right as Kenny had his promo. We're going to get to all that. But I want to fix particularly just focus right now on the Blood and Guts match. We can get to all the rest of this because the whole show was a piece of shit to- in my in totality, in my opinion. Blood and Guts. And again, get, let's start with the positive first. Y'all popped a great rating. Y'all were number one in, um, in all viewership and your demo on cable. Fantastic. And, cage, and, and you succeeded in one aspect early on. The cage definitely gave off nostalgia vibes. Absolutely. It so I gave give- off huge nostalgia pop. We're big about positives and negatives and giving credit where credit is due, even if I don't want to. You get credit for that. Fantastic. A million viewers, the highest demo you've ever had. Um, well, not the highest, the second highest, because uh, the highest was the and first. And it felt like, to me, like they brought out the good cameras. Like, like oh, they, the cameras. They left... we, maybe oh, the cameras, we'll not the, the cameramen. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that part later, but I'm just talking about the quality of the camera. It felt like they brought out the good cameras. Tony Khan is an NFL owner. They better have the good cameras. They got the AK. They can do that. Ain't no football right now. I am here for 8K being the go-to for entrances indefinitely. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, unfortunately, at Daly's Place, that's like, what, five feet? I know, know, but you know what I'm saying. I do know, yes. yes. It's a great shot. So, Blood and Guts. Let's talk about the match in general, first and foremost. I think... There's one, so one thing that sat with me before the show that didn't sit well with me was Jericho said on one of his various streams of consciousness that this was not the end of the Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle feud. This was just the beginning. And initially my thought was, well, why in the fuck, that's T-H-E-E, the fuck, are you doing this match then? Because last I checked, the whole reason you brought back the war game structure was because you wanted to do it right. Well, last I checked, War Games wasn't a, oh, well, we don't like each other. Let's have our first fight in the fucking cages. It was a feud ender. That's what I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, forget that. Come out. They have the match. The match is done. This is a, it's, it's actually an enjoyable match for 90% of it. But blading like crazy, spot calling like crazy, you the camera is showing people literally taking the blades out of their wristbands and handing it to the other person. So that's that's number one. That's just a, a, a crazy in its own right. I'm at, I've, I'm on record as being at a point in my fandom where copious amounts of blood like actively take me out of it. Yeah, but we that was expected for this match because the yeah. name of the yeah. show was blood yeah. and. Gun. Yeah, no, and they no. wanted to go as old school as they could. So I, I expected that, this one. No, I'm not mad at them for doing blade jobs. I'm saying I was always gonna be like, eh, okay, on the match because, like, I knew it was gonna be a bloodbath, and I'm yeah. not really into bloodbaths anymore. Okay, it was a well done bloodbath. It was, okay. you know, I, I agree with a lot of your criticisms. Um, but I mean, you know, spot calling remains a common problem in a lot of matches in AEW and a lot of other companies and in WWE in certain matches, spot calling so. is a huge, huge issue. So, um, so. 
So like, you know, spot calling is, I think part of the problem, legitimately, I think two things are making the spot calling problem worse right now. One, the lack of full-sized crowds and arenas, making it like impossible to mute the sound. And then two, microphones are so much better now. Facts. That's all true. Microphones are so much better now, which I think the solution is you've got to get back to a point within the medium where people have chemistry and can go more intuitively. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And we get to that later, but I want to finish giving the whole synopsis about this because that's actually a whole topic for another show. That's a great topic about how this generation doesn't know how to honestly work. You can do spots, you can hit moves, you can have good matches, but you're not working. That's that's another, so so we can talk about that another day, but the blood and guts. So I've mentioned the blading. I've mentioned the spot calling. Then there's the the timing issues with the commercials. It's on live TV. There are going to be commercials. I get that. I have no problem with that. But the commercials are missing major spots. Like people are entering in the match doing commercials. You they broke find out of the signal to the wrestlers that the commercial break is happening. You've got to find a way to pace your match to where all that's happening during the break is the stall shit. Yeah. So they there were interests doing the commercials. They were breaking out of the, they broke out of the cage doing the commercial. Major moments happened. During commercials. So it's one thing for the commercials to ruin the flow of the match. That's that's natural. You can't help that on a, a long match on TV. But you don't miss the major stuff. Then, again, last I checked, the reason you had blood and guts and the reason why you were so adamant about doing it in your words, I'm talking to A.W. Cody, I'm talking to Tony, I'm talking to the whole company, in your words, doing it right, quote-unquote, was because NXT's war games doesn't have a roof. So y'all wanted to go back. And NXT's war games can be won by pinfall. Old school war games was roof on the cage, only submit submission or surrender. So y'all stuck with those and they rules. And they promoted that all night long. Quit or submit. Quit or submit. All night long they kept saying that's the only way to win blood and guts is quit or submit. And historically, I believe somebody, if I'm wrong, correct me on Twitter. But if you escape the cage, you are disqualified because the whole point is to be in the cage and fight. And so with Tully opening the door and then getting out, which led to them going to the roof of the cage, is against the entire integrity of the match. Last I checked. So maybe I missed that. Maybe that's something I'm missing. But let's get to the spot of all spots. MJF is at the top of the cage with Jericho. He's threatening to throw him off. And of course, I mean, this harkens back to when, um, who was it that uh, quit for when um, Henning was going to hit Flair in the head with the cage? Oh, you can't be asking me old school Jim Crockett questions. Well, that was like 97, 98. It was either either Benoit or it was Mongo. Mongo quit because he didn't want him to hit the, 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 the cage, and he did it anyway. 
Hill's gonna heal, bro. So like, I got no qualms with that. That it was lackluster. The inner circle should know that heels are gonna heal because the inner circle are heels. Not anymore. They haven't been heels for like three months, but they were for a long time. Yes. Um, I I have no qualms with that finish, although it came off lackluster. But the toss heard round the world. Now, the rhetoric about that spot is some of the most idiotic, dumb, maddening rhetoric I've ever seen in my life concerning this business. It, I, it, it, it almost threw my phone against the wall. Say more. Jericho was thrown off the cage and... If you know at the entrance of Daily's place, where the two impact zone, because uh, they're that's straight from impact, the two pods come out in the middle. They got the middle part that in this little platform, basically Cody's platform that he comes out of behind the cage, mm-hmm. and it says AEW on it. Well, all night that was mentioned that that was concrete or steel or something of the sort. So when Jericho got thrown off through the cage. Through the through the platform, it was supposed to give the preponderance of MJF damn near killed Jericho. 15, 20 feet off the cage, through steel or concrete. Cool. The camera angle they showed, and mind you, this is not just one camera angle. This is a repeated camera angle multiple times. The the it was like cardboard that wasn't even an inch thick, and then a crash pad, clear as day. Now Nobody in their right mind wants Jericho to take a Foley bump. Nobody wanted Foley to take a Foley bump. Nope. Nobody's nobody's saying Jericho needed to fall through concrete or through steel or take a, a hard bump mad. in the workplace. Nobody is mad about the crash pad. Nope, nope. exactly. I'm, we're happy that they're they're taking they're taking um, precautions with their wrestlers. The problem is that this is a reoccurring trend. One, that you have big matches that have lackluster endings. This is multiple times now. Secondly, especially in the biggest spots of those matches. Secondly, your production hurt the match because we're supposed to think that just much, just like with state, um, with the just like the during the pay per view, where just like during the pay per view when they had the ladder match and you could see Cody standing at Gorilla and Arn standing at Gorilla, yep. like watching from the tunnel and yep. you could actively see them standing there just waiting for his run-in spot. They they stay choosing the shittiest camera angles. And it's so inexcusable because you've been at Daly's place exclusively for months. This is your facility. You should know it backwards and forwards. You should know where every camera is. Why do you stay picking the shittiest camera angles? Are you not telling your people which camera to work for? Uh, the question is, do they know? But just like the exploding death match they had, the issue is there's such a disconnect between production and the commentators because the commentators are selling it like somebody is legitimate, di- legitimately dying, and then with your eyes you're seeing, oh no, this is con- this is a literal car- cardboard, and so the rhetoric from this particular spot 
was people who were dis, who were dis, disenamored with the spot and complaining about the spot. Not that he didn't die, but that we could see very clearly the work of the work. And all of the AEW elite defense squad, because y'all call us fat defense squad, y'all can kiss my ass and suck my fucking dick, you bitches. All the elite defense squad people were talking about, well, you know what? What you want? You want a Jericho to, to fall on concrete? Did you want Jericho to die? No, you dumb motherfucker. We wanted, to, we wanted to see the spot done correctly. Then they had the nerve to bring up the Matt Hardy spot. Like people were mad at the spot. We weren't mad at the spot. The spot was stupid, but stupid spots happen every day. What we were mad at was that they let the match go when the guy was out for a minute and a half. And the referee came to check on him. The doctor came to check on him. Tony came to check on him in the shot. And they let him finish the match. That was the problem. But you want to invoke that like you're sitting here making some straw man argument so that the people, so that your beautiful, pristine company can ever be, can never be attacked or never be criticized. You make it impossible to care about this piece of shit company at this point. Because y'all are hurting it. And in the same breath, in the same breath, the company's hurting itself. With all the dumb shit they're doing, the entire Blood and Guts match should have been the linchpin. The point in AEW's history where you can say they are taking off to the next stratosphere. What are we talking about the next day? All of the dumb things that happened on the show. Why would you have the Jericho spot on the same night after you went out of your, out of your way to have this long interview with Busted Open about how we now we have production meetings before, so we don't have the same spots in certain spots in certain in certain cards because we're not talking to each other. In the same show, when the whole match is built around this, the whole card has been around this match, the entire card, and essentially the entire card is built around this spot. And an hour and a half earlier, you do the same spot with Darby Allen down the stairs, and he took a real bump. But I'm supposed to be scared and feel bad for Jericho? And MJF supposed to have heat now? MJF threw him on some pillows. What are we doing? And we're not even going to get to the point where we talk about the fact that y'all lied to the fans because y'all made the fans watch a whole recorded hour live on the big screen. And you want to go by, well, we told y'all it was a one-match show. What? And then offer refunds to, to make good on it? No, don't offer refunds. Don't lie to us. Well, and to go back to the spot in question, I saw a great replay of the spot from the high angle cam, looking at it from the side, that just made it look like a great sick bump. Why is that not the because it's not it's not the cameraman's fault. Cameraman's all the cameraman is taught to do is to record the action. It their producer no, needs to be no, fired. No, no, I'm not mad at the cameraman. I'm saying yeah, I their saw producer needs to be fired. Replay yeah. of a different camera angle. People that bitch about look beautiful. People and bitch about people bitch about Kevin Dunn all day long, every day, every day, every night. And people there's bitch a about lot Kevin Dunn. to bitch about for Kevin Dunn. Like I've done it. There's a lot to say. But ultimately. Kevin Dunn may be one of the best in wrestling history at his job because he doesn't miss spots. The few times he misses That's spots, you can you spot. can say you can say definitively, oh wow, he missed that. 
ultimately, he gets it right most 95% of the time. Cuts the camera too much, but he does, does shoot beautiful things. But the cut in the camera is the company, that's the company policy. And it's annoying, but that's what they're trying to do. It's not like they're doing that on purpose, uh, accidentally. They're trying no, to do I know shit. they're doing it on yeah. purpose. I know yeah. they're doing it on purpose. It's sometimes nauseating. No, I get you. I'm just saying he's about. not messing up. He's doing exactly, he's doing his job correctly. AEW's producer needs to be fired because he is ruining their product. You just, we just mentioned three times in this, in, in this show, just now, three times, Cody in the ladder match sitting there for 15 minutes. Well, that and, wasn't, that wasn't, oh, oh, you meant three times in our show tonight. I thought, yes, he, I'm sorry. Yes, and on this on this podcast, three times we found we've mentioned three specific separate within the last space, couple of months. Right, and they're spaced out by time. It's not like week after week after week. There's a month or so in between these spots, so you've had time to go back and say, "Hey, man, I messed that one up. Get it right next time." What? So, but you're not. What is and, the problem? And again, again, they have been in Daly's place for like. It's May of 2021. They've been in Daly's place for almost a fucking year. Consistently, yeah, but they've been in Daly's place from since the very beginning because they've all, every time they go to Jacksonville, well, yes, they go to Daly's. But I'm just saying they've been filming consistently, yeah, yeah, at yeah. Daly's place for all year. A year. Yep. So, like, yep. how do you not know every single angle of your facility? the way that you set it up for the show. Because they don't care. That's the answer. They don't care. And they don't care because their fan base tells them that they shouldn't, they shouldn't, they don't have to care. Because their, because fan, their fan base accepts anything that they do. Because their fan base reflects the behavior of them. They are thin-skinned and incapable of accepting or acknowledging any kind of criticism. Their fans reflect everything about that. Their fans are also incredibly thin-skinned and defensive and incapable of accepting and acknowledging any kind of fucking criticism. You know, somebody said, I was reading all this bullshit last night and this morning, and somebody was trying to defend AEW in the spot. And they went out their way to say, well, every, every WWE spot similar to this, you can see the pad, and listed off all these different spots. One of the spots was when Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, fell through the cage against Triple H and held in the cell through the mat. Like, well, you can see the pad then. Yeah, because we know the mat is padded. This is facts. If you know anything about wrestling, you know the mat is literally four by fours or whatever the fucking uh, side of them is. Plywood boards with pads on top. With literally padding on top and then a mat. So, like, that's not, we know that. He, he brought up the Rikishi spot. I have, when, uh, don't, when I'm taking him off the hill in the cell onto the back of the truck, I have yet to see the crash pad under the hay. I've never seen it. And I've watched that spot a million times. Show him to me. Please, if I'm wrong, someone show me the spot where you can see any preponderance of a crash pad under all the hay. You can't. If you're talking about these spots, you can see them. What? It, but that's no. because that's because that's again not arguing in that's arguing from a place of defensive reactionary like bullshit. It's a 
how dare you criticize my favorite thing that I love so much and think is so wonderful. And I just enjoyed that so thoroughly. How do you not see how wonderful it is? Oh, you must be just a hater. Well, let me list all of these different ways that your thing that you sometimes like is also shitty. Uh. What about ism is so it's, it's just it's 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 disgusting at this point. And the thing that kills me is just because I am criticizing AEW doesn't mean I am A, an AEW hater, B, a WWE super fan, or C, both or either. People don't criticize AEW, not everybody, some people do, and there's always exceptions to every rule. But by and large, people don't criticize something stupid that happens in AEW under the good name and flying the banner of the McMahons and Titan Industries. Well, and, no. and also, I say this to my students all the time, and I mean this genuinely. I wouldn't criticize something I didn't care about because that's a no. waste of my energy. That's I have 100%. limited time and energy that's to real. put into anything. Because I'm an adult human living in a shitty capitalist society in a, in a dystopian failed state. Um, so, like, I have limited time and energy to devote to things. I'm not going to waste that time and energy criticizing something that I just don't care about. The Man. fact that I'm putting the time in to even bother to get worked up enough to be like, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? Why is this like this? Is mm -hmm. because I do care about it. I want it to be good. I want it to succeed. I think more wrestling is a good thing because I would like to go back to a time where people don't laugh when you say you're a wrestling fan. would be nice. So, like... I just really, I hate the, like, the arrogant put-downism of the, like, el elite fans of just, like, oh, well, if you criticize this, you just, you just don't know what good wrestling is. Mm -hmm. Bitch, I'm not telling you how to have your fun. Don't you ever tell me how to have my fun. Number one. That's number one. But number two, like, I'm only bringing it up because I know it can be better than what it is. Because what it is is incredibly inconsistent. I had a friend who ha I had a friend who watched the show, and their response to me when they saw AEW was, "This looks cheap." Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Exact words. This looks cheap. Did they did they happen to watch Blood and Guts, or was this just another show? This was from uh, Dynamite a couple of weeks prior, and this is a friend who lives in Jacksonville. And oh, that's right, you could go this. to Daly's place um, and know. Tell tell, tell him the story. Tell him the story as you tell me. Uh, I I my friend called me to talk about something completely different, and I brought up the wrestling and AEW because I knew he lived in Jacksonville because I wanted to ask him if they advertised for the shows. Like that was literally all I had wanted to ask him. And he had mentioned that 
he had like watched an episode of Dynamite and his exact words, I still have the notes, were this looks low budget. Um, it looks like a knockoff. He said it had nothing to do with the performers themselves. He said it just looked so... Yeah, low budget and cheap were his exact words. And I was just like, yeah, production values need some work. Considering they're owned by, they're owned and backed by a blood money oil baron, I expect better production quality. I've, I've, I've tried to give him a pass for the past year and a half because there's only so much you can do in an amphitheater. I'm hoping once they get back on the road, production value will get better. But I don't believe it anymore because your production in general, your production team, is garbage. So, like, yeah, you can make the set look better and different. Yeah, you can make the stage look better and different. You you could do all. You could change the hard cam place. You can do all these different things. But ultimately, if your production team can't get the damn spots right, even we can even talk about the fact. Remember when uh, the un- the unnamed, it may be Alan Angel at this point, it may have got fired, I don't know, but the unnamed Dark Order minion, when he was punching the guy and he was literally just punching in the air, but because the camera showed the wrong angle, we could see it instead of it looking like he was punching the guy? It's happened how many times? Now, again, it's wrestling. This happens. But we see this and it's talked about and noticed on AEW so often when it's not on any other show. And the camera way too often catches these moments, especially in the tag matches. I've talked about it before. The camera catches them spot waiting. Yeah. Not even spot calling, spot waiting. Yep. What was was the spot when Nick Jackson literally held up the guy so he can get jumped on? Well, there was that one, but there's also just so many of these moments in a lot of these tag matches where, like, the camera is actively showing the guy taking a powder on the, co- on the outside. Yeah. Or where the camera is actively showing the guys, like, just standing there waiting to hold. And I laugh that they wait to hold because then they don't catch. They wait <laughs> and to that's hold. The funny part. And then they don't catch. And I'm just like, why are you not fucking catching? You're going to hurt somebody. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc you know so something i just thought about that i want to bring up because i want to keep going in on this more but I, I i feel it's important to bring up at this point in the show is i wonder i don't wonder i know but i wonder for the people who have some sense in their mind. 
Do people think that me personally, I can't speak for the show or for you, but me personally, do you think that I take joy in coming on the show and trashing something or coming on the show and being upset with something I saw with AEW? Because I don't. I could, for, for all of the issues I have with AEW, I support them. I buy every pay-per-view. I DVR every episode. We talk about them on all our shows. I have favorite wrestlers on that pro on that program and in, in that in that uh, promotion. I care about that promotion. Is it my favorite? No. Everybody knows I'm NXT Mark, but I care about that promotion. So I don't come on the show just to be like, ha ha ha! I told you so. No, I come on the show because, like you said earlier, Kyle, I care, and clearly what's happening is hurting the product. We, now, we can talk all day long about, well, I don't like this the direction this character is going in, or I don't like this booking decision. That's fine. That's something that none of us have any say in whatsoever. What people, what, and for all we know, how many times we done said that this was a stupid decision if Vincent been right? Or how many times we done said this was a stupid decision and Tony's been right? Or Ted Turner and, and WCW's been right? Or Heyman and ECW's been right? Or Sinclair and Ring of Honor's been right? Or the cockroach promotions have been right. Or New Japan have been right. Oftentimes, we will see something that we want. They give us something different. They, they give, we give them time to show us why they did it. And it makes sense. That's all subjective. One thing that is tangible as fuck is if I show the camera here and I show something that's not being, that shouldn't be shown on that camera when I can show that camera angle over there and it's what I need to be seen. That's tangible. That's something that anybody with the, anybody who with eyes can see, and that is what we are criticizing. There's a yeah. massive difference between saying, oh, man, but I don't like what Alexa's doing with the stupid Lily doll. That's booking. That ain't got nothing to do with nobody or nothing. And I'm glad you brought up, you know, I'm glad you brought up WCW. One of the problems WCW had was insulting the viewer in the way that, you, like you were just talking about with, the commentators are putting over the story that the match is supposed to tell because they're going by what they're told to get over. But then what you're showing me is not what I'm hearing. And that's insulting my intelligence as a viewer. That's not good. And for people who are saying well, what about the rest of the show? They put on a great show. Even if that's your opinion, what was the last match on the card? What was the match that took over an hour? And what was the final culminating spot to put the show over and go home? Yeah, that's what we're fucking talking about. Because that's what they wanted us to be talking about. We're just not talking about it in the way that they wanted us to be talking about it. What they wanted us to be talking about, what we probably would be talking about if they had better production value and had shot this the right way, were some of those badass camera shots of MJF bloodied and battered at the end of the Blood and Guts match, standing atop the cage, triumphant at Daly's place. Like... That's what we should have been talking about. Oh, yeah, blood and guts. It was really violent. It was great. They had that moment, and then they gave up, and, yeah, that was kind of shit, but then heel's going to heal, and they pushed his ass off the cage. Yep. 
And it was great. They had that high camera angle. It made it look so badass. But instead, nope. Nope. Yeah, they pushed him off the cage and he fell into the he fell into the obviously gimmicked pad in a obvious way that totally destroys your suspension of disbelief. While the commentators screamed at me about how he went right through the concrete. I didn't know that concrete had plywood in it. That wasn't even plywood, homie. That was like corkboard. Particle board. Oh, okay. Exhale rants. Um, I don't even really give a shit about going about the rest of the show. You talked about the Kenny spot, which I think was important to talk about because when you're holding two other promotion championships and you don't even care enough about them to carry them, that's worth the conversation. We had that conversation. Um, something I haven't talked about yet that I want to mention real quick is why would you separate Scorpio Sky from SCU? Only to put him back in the tag team. Page. And like, I, don't get me wrong, I get it. Scorp can't turn heel with SCU when they're ultimate baby faces. I get you. I get it. But the whole point of Scorpio turning heel was he won the brass ring, was supposed to be pushed as the next singles guy. And I understand y'all want to be the land of the factions. Y'all want to be New Japan light, even though New Japan has five. And y'all got 77. I'm being facetious. And I get it. He needed someone to have his back. But you took your hottest new star that you hired in Ethan Page. And you took your hottest homegrown star and only, well, I'm sorry, no disrespect to Max Caster because he just started doing singles. But your only homegrown original, not homegrown, but original star of color that you finally started pushing as a singles guy and you said, nah, son, we're going to put y'all as a tag team. We're not going to give y'all tag team matches and we're not going to put y'all in a tag team feud, but we're going to put y'all together. And then you have them going out to Darby, which Darby and Ethan got six, seven years worth of beef going back to Evolve, which will work. But then yeah, Ethan got a, great, got a great uh, like slide in there to their match history, talking about, yeah, but I don't want to talk about a bunch of matches that nobody fucking saw. Yeah, and that's facts, because nobody watched Evolve. But then you don't even let that be the culmination, because you keep giving Darby these random TV title matches with people who he has nothing to do with. Jungle Boy, Preston, now Miro. Now, if Miro don't beat Darby next week, how bad does Miro look after this man got thrown down a flight of stairs? Well, and then after he gave this big-ass fucking promo about how, like, what happens when the man who refuses to die meets the man who's not afraid to kill. Like... And by the way, by the way, that last line was good, but the rest of the promo was terrible because you could tell he was trying to figure it out as he was going. And that's the reason why people script promos. Because um, Miro got the point across. But the promo was not good because he was, and again, I don't, I don't want to criticize him too much because a lot of it is literally, you could tell, was the, was the language barrier. I know he speaks fluent English, but you could tell there was, that was, that's why he was stumbling over some of his words, syntax and whatnot. But that's why you script promos and you give them bullet points. You could have said, this is your ending. Here's your bullet points of your promos. We're going to give you this much, and then you, you, you come up with some hot lines, you throw them in there. Because everything he said didn't make sense. It was bad. It wasn't good. 
but because he was shirtless and he was flexing and he said a great ending line, oh, well, Miro's great. We should have non-scripted promos the whole time. No, it didn't work for me. Maybe it worked for y'all, but also y'all the same people that's trying to defend Jericho getting thrown, getting thrown off a trampoline. So, I that show that show really hurt the goodwill I had with the promotion, and I'm gonna watch. I'm definitely gonna watch. I want to see Moxley and Nagata next week. I'm excited about that. I'm gonna I mean, buy Double or Nothing because that's what we do. I mean, I told you before we even started, my number one criticism of Blood and Guts Night from the jump. Not enough Hangman Page. Oh, we, you know that's our not favorite not guy over there. Page. And, and, and if, there was, if you're not going to give me Hangman Page, you better show me some hook. No hook, no Hangman, no Ricky Starks. <sighs> I'm out, dog. I'm out. And, and the uh, the unmitigated gall and audacity, like you built, you booked them first and foremost. And I'm, we're gonna, I'm kind of a little into our next topic, but give me a second here. You you all of a sudden advertise Kenny Omega's next challenger to be announced on Blood and Guts. You announced that in the middle of the week, so clearly you're trying to hit the Daniel Bryan news. Okay, cool. I ain't mad at that. You're trying. You're trying to play off the fact that we know now Daniel Bryan is not is technically a free agent. He may have signed, re-signed, I don't know. But at the moment, at the moment, you're trying to play off that. Well, maybe it's Daniel Bryan, double or nothing. I get it. That's cool. I ain't mad at that, bro. That's the car- type of carny that works for a promotion. I'm with that. You do that, Shivani brings out Kenny and announces that it's gonna the number one contenders match is gonna be between Pac and between Orange Cassidy. So now we have a whole match booked next week on a big card because the card is stacked, right? And in terms of their promotion, it is stacked on a big card. Number one contenders match, Pac and Orange Cassidy. And Kenny proceeds to go and bury Orange Cassidy, big up Pac because we know he's scared of Pac. Not not scared of Pac, but because he knows he could be Pac or whatever the case is. And then Orange Cassidy comes out and he runs him down to his face. Does anybody... Still think Pac is gonna win next week? Um, I think Pentagon and Ray Phoenix might still think Pac is gonna win next week. Well, that's only because Pentagon don't understand English. Oh, I think. Oh, I thought it was Phoenix that didn't understand English. I think one of them speaks some English, and the other one speaks Phoenix speaks fluent English. He's the baby brother. Okay. Yeah, I knew one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I knew one of them was good, and the other one was just like, I'm just here. Well, that's why Penta, all he says is Sierra Miedo, and that's why he has skinny Hugo Savinovich for his his uh, translator. I don't, Alex uh, something. I don't know his name. Not the point. Not the point. Um, the point is, they're the only ones who still think he's going to win. But, you know, yeah, speaking of Daniel Bryan, um, like, do we know what he's going to do? No, we don't fucking know what he's going to do. I'm hoping that, like, you know, after all the shit his body's been through and now he got two kids and a wife who's just kind of like, yeah, I'm good. I'm hoping he's just going to, you know, take it to the house. But, like, if he wants to do other things, do what you want to do, man. You don't owe me nothing. I ain't mad at him if he chose to do that. But let's look at some facts. Daniel Bryan hasn't been involved with WWE since he was 18 years old. 
He signed his first developmental contract with them when he was like 18, 19 years old. And yeah, he had the big Ring of Honor run, and he was the king of the indies. But like, he's always been a WWE guy, and he's always wanted to be a WWE guy. Now, one the reason I brought it up on this show is because a lot of AW's fans and a lot of anti WWE fans. This is one where we can be general like that, a topic where we can are clamoring for him to leave because in this now. This is hilarious. Daniel Bryan has been underutilized by the WWE. Let that just let that sit in your palate for a second. Of a, a five time, he's five or six time world champion. The guy that just main evented the last match of WrestleMania Not three much four weeks ago last week. Uh, my what? Like what are we doing? What what is it? My question isn't even what are we doing. My question is like, what do you want him to be doing? I can tell you what they want him to be doing. Wrestling fans want their favorite wrestler to have a Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar um history. They want every single wrestler to win every single match, every wrestler they like to win every single match and be in every single major storyline and be in every single championship scene, win every title, and nobody ever loses. Like, think about it, because that's the only reason why you can say, oh, well, we make stars over here. You made a star because a guy won a match, but a guy that's, but people who have main evented WrestleManias in WWE aren't stars. But Darby Allen is a star because he got a good quarter hour? What? Darby Allen is a star, but Bianca Belair isn't a star. I ain't never seen Darby Allen on, Darby, Darby Allen on the Today Show. I still don't understand. Or on on Stephen A. Smith Sports Center, or the Kelly Clarkson show, with girls I, crying saying that I look up to you. So you bring up something really important that I I would also like to point out. The reason we continue to call AEW a vanity project is because the only people that AEW is making famous is the elite, well, and I'm even at that, and even at that. At this point, the only person who's getting any kind of mainstream play out of AEW is Cody Rhodes. Yep. Cody and Brandy Rhodes are using this platform, which they get to be the star of, and oh. using what is left of the Rhodes name cachet to make themselves semi-relevant because Cody became friends with a decent television actor and got a taste of, like, status. Well, real quick, this episode of The Outsider's Edge is sponsored by Heels, coming on stars, starring Cody Rhodes this September. Oh, yeah, that's right. He does have his own show coming out. Oh, wait. Also, this episode of Outsider's Edge is sponsored by Ms. and Mrs. The reboot starring Cody and Brandy coming out on TNT next year. Oh, yeah, that's right. They got another mainstream reality show. Wait, Wait. Stephen Amell got him on the star show? Hey, best friends. Of course he is. Oh, uh, you're right. The thing is, I like Stephen Amell. Don't get me wrong. I got no, be- I got no beef with it. I'm, I'm, I'm here I mean, for the Stephen show. Amell's Canadian, so, like, you know, it's, a, it's really hard to hate a Canadian unless it's it really Tom is. Wilson. It really is. I, I, I'm here for the Steve. I'm here for Stephen Amell as a person and as an actor. 
I'm here for Hills the show. And I'm here for Cardi being on the show. I got no qualms with that. I got no issue with that. But it's, but when you say things like it's a vanity project and it's only getting over certain people. Now, in the wrestling sphere, some people are getting over, sure. Darby's oh, getting yeah. over in a from wrestling, wrestling sense. From a wrestling sphere standpoint, mm-hmm. from a wrestling sphere standpoint, this is easily the second biggest company in North America. 100%. Easily the second or third biggest, biggest mover and shaker in the industry. Yep. And they may have they may have overtaken New Japan with their yes. slide over the past year. Yes, yes, especially in North America, they may mm-hmm. have just complete. They may have overtaken New Japan. They're one of the only companies that can guarantee you a decent livable wage. That's a good point. Yes, working specifically for their company. Yes. Yeah, like so. You know, they they have a lot of things going for them from that standpoint. And from a standpoint of like within wrestling, working for them is a huge fucking deal. At yeah. this point in North American wrestling, the only thing bigger than working for them is either working the G1 or working for WWE. That's it. Yep. Like That's not it. Japan generally, the G1 specifically. Yeah. Well, um, G1 or Wrestle or Wrestle Kingdom. Or Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. If you're in the G1 or at Wrestle Kingdom. Or you're working for WWE. Other than that, working for AEW within wrestling is as big a deal as it gets right now. So, like, from that standpoint, it is getting wrestlers over. But if we're just talking about from, like, who's becoming more of a, air quote, star because of this company, Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes. But it trips me out because wrestling fans, and I am doing that thing where I'm comparing both companies here. Wrestling fans will claim that people like Braun Strowman aren't a star. Or people like The Fiend isn't a star. Or Alexa Bliss isn't a star. Alexa Bliss had a, had a major rock band produce a song named after her for her. Is that a star? So this, but, but then Talk they'll say in the same... Disney Plus show. She has an action figure for her character from her Disney show. Yes, well, it, Peacock, but yeah. Mandalorian is Disney, bro. No, you said Sasha. I said Alexa Bliss. Oh, well, I, I'm Sasha's sorry. a star. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, Sasha's uh, undeniable. Sasha uh, Roman and Sasha Roman and Becky are undeniable. Nobody can say anything about those guys. I watch people. Facts. But I'm just saying, like some of the lower tier guys that have main evented manias or pay per views or like been in mainstream places. I mean, they'll say shit, they are stars, but, but they'll say. Them? As much as people want to hate on him, I got news for a lot of motherfuckers. Mike the Miz Mizanin is a bigger star than most wrestlers in that roster. In the world. Not any company. In the world. Absolutely. You ask women and men of a certain age who grew up in MTV generation who Mike the Miz is, and they will mm-hmm. all tell you. Yep, and all the stuff he's done since then—the movies, the TV shows, Ms. and Mrs.—that man is that man is a sort of he, Johnny he, Cage eventually. I was gonna say he's about to be Johnny Cage. Like I'm gonna will that shit into existence. It's part. It's it's perfect spot. It's the perfect place. One more thing I want to mention, and this, this 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 another thing that set me off, and I was waiting for this week for to talk about this is, um, I often read uh Cage side seats on fan sided. Quite often, just to see what they're talking about. Um, I like reading a very uh, 
a, a variety of different wrestling articles from different places, you know, because here at the chair shop, we're so proud of our. You're a masochist. Maybe. Here at the chair shop, you know, we're proud of our content, but I also I enjoy the genre so much. I like to see what other people are talking about. There was one person, I'm not going to disrespect him by saying his name because I don't want to bring any undue hatred to the man or any due criticism to the man. But he, there was a person that wrote an article saying that AEW should now, with the the possibility of them having to move nights because of Turner's NHL deal, they should just move the show to Mondays and have the new Monday Night Wars. And And his reasoning was... Well, their their ratings are bad anyway. You're already you're already matching their demos. Might as well give it a try and give wrestling fans something to clamor for. Can we stop clamoring for something to happen twenty years ago that was only three four years long? Chef's kiss, in terms of the myopic, like how, how the myopathy. How myopic can you get? Like, here's something that I think gets lost in the, like, clamoring for the Monday Night Wars to return and the blah, 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 blah. Um, the Monday Night Wars ended with literally every wrestling company that was not WWE either out of business or operating out of high school gymnasiums. That's terrible for the fucking industry. So, like, wishing for that sort of a thing to happen again just because you think it's going to force some better creative is not really looking at what the fallout of a lot of that was. And also, like... We glorify the Monday Night Wars because of, like, Stone Cold and the NWO and The Rock and DX. But, like, we overlook the fact that, like, a lot of Nitro and Raw was trash on a week-to-week basis. It's called Crash TV. Yes. It's called Crash TV. Anything that you can throw on TV, we'll throw it. Crash TV was trash. For as many great moments as Crash TV might have produced, it was trash and a lot of that trash was of the variety that wouldn't fly today anyway you can't have no women doing slop matches in 2021 your show get canceled so fucking fast you know the 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 interesting thing to me about the whole idea of moving it to monday is this ideology that we're on our own night speaking of aw aw's on their own night yeah Yeah, NXT's on Tuesday. Every show is an exclusively, we are the only show in town on our night. The only wrestling show on that night. And you are doing great numbers, but you're, 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 you're barely pulling in a million. And I don't say that in a, in, in a sense of disrespect, but I mean, the most they've done on their own is 1.1 million. You're yeah. hovering around you're that, pulling right? In, yeah, you're pulling in at this point if we just look at the sample size of the weeks that they've been solo dolo. Um, they're pulling in between 800,000 and a million viewers, which is good numbers. Good numbers. 
but you all of a sudden think that you moving to Monday is one gonna make events care, and two you're gonna massively find all these new viewers just because you're on a different night. Well, and this is a show that's now been on the air for over a year, like two years. Yeah, this is the show that's been on the air for two years now. So like, um, this is a time slot and a day that its fan base is like, you know, knows and is committed to. Like, networks don't generally do that. And I said it before, and I will say this again in terms of the NHL deal. Um, here's the thing about the NHL. There's games every night of the week. Every night of the week. So just like you're worried about, oh, what? when are we going to televise NHL games? Just pick a night. NHL on TNT, Tuesdays, boom. NHL on TNT, Thursdays, boom, whatever. Just pick a fucking night. There will be games. And there will be people that will watch those games. Because even if it's, a, even if it's like a Friday night, Friday night's a great night to have sports. Hey, friends, you want to have a party? We'll just throw the hockey game on in the background. Yeah, fair point. I, it, it, but it's the, the, uh, the bigger, the issue to me, because that's all real, but the issue to me is the idea that fans think some kind of way they can take out the evil Vince McMahon and his shows because they've already, they're already under the assumption that they vanquished the evil Hunter McMahon and David and NXT. And you know what? They they got better they got better views. They they won the head to head damn near every time. And then they see move nights. Now, the thing is, people are adamant that they move nights solely because of AEW. And I want to ask them this. Do they really think that WWE controls what the entire content of the USA channel in, on NBC Universal? They think they have the kind of power where they can just call on the women and say, hey, bro, we're moving. Most, even as powerful as Vince is, as powerful as WWE may be in their niche sphere. The network determines what goes on, when it goes on, how it goes on. It's, it's like this, this, this asinine idea that WWE brought NXT to television strictly to counter-program AEW. I have no doubt that may have been one of the perks for them doing that, but there were reports, credible reports by TV reporters, not Meltzer, but by TV reporters saying two years before that NXT was coming to TV and they were in talks with, with, well, with even channels. Even that, at the time that NXT was brought onto the network was right around the time that that Chrisley dude that does all the fucking reality shows was being investigated for tax fraud... That's a great point. And they needed and new they, content. And yeah, they weren't sure what how that was going to shake out. And it was just like, well, shit, we're going to need content. Yep. And WWE's got this ready-made show that they already produce and air on their own network. So like literally all we would have to do is like stream that. And remember, NBC Universal let SmackDown go. And I'm sure that they they regret that now knowing what it's doing they let they let they because when they re-up that's that was the big deal about the new tv go ahead that was the deal about the big about the big tv deals was that this is the first time that both shows were negotiated separately 
My my retort with the like regret that because of the number SmackDown is doing now was gonna be just a but. Uh, SmackDown could never do what it's doing now. There, because no, right, 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 right. And, and the reason I say that is because NBC Universal was never willing to put SmackDown on NBC. They right. they had SmackDown on. Sci-fi. Then they had SmackDown on USA on Tuesday. Then back to Thursday. Then it was back to Fridays for a little while, and it had so many different days and blah 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 blah. Uh, when Fox swooped in with their deal, not only were they offering the right amount of money, but they were like, "We're gonna put you on the network on the network." Right. And, but you're being literal. I'm just talking about from a content standpoint. And the reason I'm saying that is because NBC, NBC Universal straight up said, we don't need the extra content. And now you realize that they ended up needing the extra content because they, they needed two more hours of content, like you said, for the Christmas situation. That's what I mean when I'm talking about I they just let them go. You, yeah. They also, also needed content so badly for their streaming service that they bought out WWE Network, which is, yeah. which I mildly lament because Peacock is not as um, user friendly. Yes, and I mean I know Peacock is new. I get that, but like, man, that WWE Network was streamlined as a motherfucker, and it, it took a while to get there too, and we got comfortable with it, and now. We got to start over again. It's always a problem. But one last thought on NXT. Um, remember, they were working at a loss for years, and a company comes offering you thirty million dollars a year to put the show on, put your show on TV. Who will turn that down? So it, you know, wrestling fans don't seem to like factual reasons for things because. As a former South Carolinian, Charlemagne the God always says, nobody oh, cares about the truth when the lie is more entertaining. That's facts, though. That do be the facts. Yeah. Um, you Anything else you want to hit on? Because I know this is fairly short, but I just needed to get this ran, ran off my chest. We didn't put nah. any more format into it. Nah. Um, I don't have anything pressing. That is um, looming other than, speaking of uh, Dexter Loomis, um, Indy Hartwell with the fucking bad-ass springboard off the top rope looking smooth as a motherfucker. And shout out to Candice, who's the most deserving wrestler in the world for that for finally getting her moment. I'm so happy for Candice in her moment. I love Candice LeRae. I mean, so happy for her. Johnny's matches drive me insane because, like, Jesus Christ, you gotta, like... I, I, if I ever had a wrestling match with Johnny Gargano, I'm bringing a crowbar and a revolver. I'm saying. And like, he'll, kick out a, he'll kick out a one and a half. Like, so, you know, I'm just saying. But, like, Candace is so wonderful. I'm so, and I'm with you. I'm so happy for her. She deserves it. Much success to Candace Gargano. Um... But yeah, Indy Hartwell was just so fucking smooth with that springboard. And like, you know, I hate Austin Theory because he's a predator and a pervert. But at the same time, him and Indy Hartwell have made 
Johnny and Candace so entertaining. Uh, the whole Austin, that whole the way, and it's working. And I, Austin Theory will never be redeemed, but he's becoming watchable. I don't groan when I watch him anymore because what they're doing is so enjoyable. And I get that's probably what Hunter was hoping for. You know, and I'm sure that's what they're hoping for with the whole Matt Riddle, Randy Orton thing. And I hate Matt Riddle, but I cannot lie. Some of those segments are fucking hilarious. Uh, I mean, you know, I was team go away Randy Orton for a really long time. And I finally got off that train. And I finally got off that narcotic. (laughs) And now they paired it with Matt Riddle. They put Randy in the worst situation sometimes. They really do. Like... But they do because they know we can get out of it. I guess. I guess. God, that's just damn, man. Ooh. Raw continues to struggle. Yeah, that is. Speaking of Raw, check out the total package this week where we break, me and Carl break down the top 10 of Raw. I've already gotten some pushback for some personal friends, so I'll be curious to see what some of you, you guys think. Um, yeah, and, and if, you, if you listen to the episode, you'll see that the disdain for Raw reached our rankings because, like, Carl was trashing the, the show. I mean, Brother Carl went on a really long rant, and, you know, that is why we here at The Outsider's Edge are sponsoring the Total Package series. Uh, that's the only reason. <laughs> I mean, you know, there'll be, there'll be more sub-shows and special shows that we sponsor and we come up with, you know. Yeah. Uh, Every now and then. You know, it coming in coming late twenty twenty one, Kyle's finest guys in WWE. I mean, you know, I could sit here and talk about Roderick Strong and Fandango all day. You know that. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, let's give you a show and let you do it. Anyway, um, no, but in all seriousness, though, y'all, you can find Brother Carl and his hilarious takes on Twitter at Outsider Curvin. That's K E R V I N. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. And you can find our good brother Rance on Twitter at I don't hate AW, they just be pissing me off dot com slash it's Ray Cash, R A Y as in Mysterio, C A S H as in dollars. And as always, all you can find the show on Twitter at Outsiders Edge CS. We are part of the Chairshot Media Group at Chairshot Media, where you always get the right camera angle, damn it. And use your head. And remember, y'all, we here at the Outsider's Edge podcast are just some increasingly older gentlemen doing everything we can trying to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're going to say some things that make you feel real salty, like y'all elite stands are insufferable with your thin-skinned nonsense. And other times we're going to say things that, like, are hard pills that need to be swallowed, such as... AEW has a lot of talented people and a lot of shitty production values. Facts. But no matter what, y'all, we're just out here chasing our dreams, and you got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, just like the elite don't give a fuck about your feelings, we just don't give uh, fuck. Especially today. Fuck them and fuck y'all. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.